that is the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan, in uh, everyone's uh, coronavirus lockdown towers of their own homes. Um, I'm joined by Dema Nolan. Dema. Hello. How are you, Dino? Very well. Thank you. Um, Paddy Aspo is here. Paddy. How are you doing, guys? Good stuff. Good to have you, Paddy. And uh, Dave Weldon is back. How are you, Dave? Not bad, Dean. Good to be back. Good stuff. Um, we've got the usual format, traditional style of the Race Hour podcast to come. We're going to do a review of uh, the racing over the last seven days or so, including um, some pretty uh, pr- some pretty decent stuff over the weekend, of course, like Severly on Rouge and Politolog and uh, Chacron Poursois, All Mankind, of course. We're going to talk about them. And uh, After the break, once we've done that review, we will be on to uh, Cheltenham on Friday. A little bit of banger thrown in. And then Saturday, of course, Cheltenham and Doncaster. And we'll try and find... A few winners for everyone. So, okay, uh, no further ado on the race out. Why don't we get stuck in? We'll start with um, the Tingle Creek. Um, Dem, I might come to you first. The Politologue was very good. Grantine in second looked like the right horse to finish there. Um, Paul Nichols obviously having uh, a field day with the race and, uh, you know, a remarkable horse and a, a great grey that Politologue is. But of course, the race was overshadowed by uh, No Altior turning up on the day. Yeah, absent Altior. Um, we, we, we kind of, you know, there was a big deal made of this on Twitter and I kind of, my initial thoughts were, were just, ah, for God's sake, Nikki. And then I just kind of mellowed a small bit on it the more the more I thought about it. And like, it's, I'm really on the fence with it. Like, I, like, I mean, I understand the the real disappointment with Altior not running and it was a massive disappointment. Um, it, it's, it's one of those things where he, he he should have ran. I mean, Nicky went on all week about how brilliant he was and how he was kind of catching pigeons at home. And then all of a sudden, he wasn't going to run on ground, which ended up, the times ended up being quick. But at the same time, um, Nicky and the owners are in every right to to do that. They wanted to mind the horse and um, and they are going to. Um, the The problem is, is that he has won on that ground before and he's won very well on that ground before. He's won in all sorts. So it's, it's just typical Nicky, as in he's a bit of a bottler, and he is, and it's understandable because a horse like Altior, he probably only has one chance le- left at a champion chase. He probably is an owner saying that, you know, we just want to get to, to Cheltenham. This division isn't the hottest division in the world, and there's an awful lot of problems with the horses up the top of the market. So again, you can understand why getting this horse to Cheltenham would de- be the prerogative but was the whole situation was unsatisfactory twitter's reaction as per usual was a bit over the top as well it's not like nicky killed anyone and he's not the first trainer to to do this but then nicky's interview was also very needlessly uh, spiky you know he's not the first trainer for this to happen i remember when rich richie and willie mullins pulled vator out of the gold cup and put him into the the ryanair the, the public were enraged as well so this isn't anything new but i just think all all sides of racing from from racing twitter to to nikki henderson and everyone in, involved i just think it all needs to improve a bit nikki needs to stop talking up a horse all week and then pulling him out when there was no real ground ground concerns but at the same time the racing public need to understand that it's it's his horse the horse is getting on an age now and they wanted to mind him so i'm kind of 
kind of on the fence, but the whole situation team was just really unsatisfactory, really. It was all very sour. And I, di- I didn't like all the vitriol that was coming out, especially across social media. And that's not really the best barometer of the world, to be honest. But um, when I was seeing it and seeing Nicky Henderson get it in the neck, uh, left, right and centre, I thought it was sensible just to remind people, that, you know, someone owns that horse and someone trains that horse. And if they think there's a ground issue, then there's a ground issue, regardless of the times, regardless of everyone looking forward to a race. Um, if Nicky Henderson feels that that ground isn't what he wants to run his horse on at this stage of the season, and he's allowed to have one race in mind if he wants to be that a race at Cheltenham, then he's entitled to do it. I think some of the communication around it, a bit crass um, and has been maybe delivered wrong. And I can understand him getting upset about it. But um, it's like you said, um, totally their prerogative. And it's totally their prerogative to say we only want one race and Cheltenham is the be all and end all. And I think at this stage of a career, that's totally entitled to them. And I think you called him a bottler, Dermo. So I'm, I'm, not too, I'm not too keen on that word with the lights of Altior's career. Remember, he came out of novice company uh, to win an open company in his novice season. I mean, he's, he's turned up at all the big shows. I think um, a horse like that has been pretty bravely campaigned and then when you take the cyanine race uh last season and i mean that was the ultimate element of bravery. yeah no, 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 two uh, miles and beat everyone up bottler, um, so, bottler was the the incorrect term term to use because they ended up defending him immediately after. <laughs> yeah but, i know uh, I, I, yeah. I can understand i can understand why you're on the fence with it because the, i think the biggest issue that came up and dave i'll ask you about this when when you when nikki henderson suggested welfare and he used the word a couple of times pretty strongly in an interview with Lydia Hislop who was excellent um and and I think Nikki was very generous with his time too and Lydia's there to ask questions so there's no issues here but that when he used the word welfare a lot of people jumped on this bandwagon as saying that welfare when you're running a horse on soft ground it's not a welfare issue um and it isn't a welfare issue but if Nikki Henderson thinks that that ground is not what he wants to run his horse on and that will damage his horse's welfare with an eye on targets there's a bit more context to it it's not a welfare issue to run a horse on soft ground. Yeah, but I think the way he said it, Dean, and I agree with all that. And of course, it's, it's Nicky's horses and it's the Pew's horse more than, and Pew's have had so, so many great days with him that they don't want to do it and that will damage him um, for his life. But the way he used welfare, the fact he said, if this, running on this, in this race in Tingle Creek would be a welfare issue to the horse with a view to future targets. I have a couple of issues with it. it one, in fact, that everything is now geared around Cheltenham and that's fine we all love Cheltenham and everyone loves Cheltenham but the Tingle Creek is probably the second premier grade one two mile chase of the season and I don't think Henderson gave it the respect by pulling them out the night before go see what the ground is like there was no rain forecast overnight on on the Friday it would have dried out on the Saturday the official going was soft good to soft in places the time suggests it was good to soft yeah it wasn't even much soft in it um, and then to suggest the welfare, like if he's going to go down the road of suggesting welfare, we may as well run Cheltenham at Wolverhampton on the all weather because yeah. over two miles, like it's not as if it was a four mile, four race um, that on salmon stopping sapping ground that was going to destroy a horse for a couple of years. It was a two mile race, take a couple of minutes to run the race and the horse be fine. And the horse has previous, I think his highest RPR was actually on heavy ground against on the so in the Tingle Creek. Sure. So, it's just as Dermot said it's completely unsatisfactory completely gets their horse and they can do whatever they want with it but I think to use the term unsuitable going when everything in the horse's background suggests that it's probably perfect going for it it probably thrives on soft ground because of its engine because of how it races it just gets through the ground so quickly and it just it left a sour taste in my mouth um, that we didn't get to see him and like 
he missed Cheltenham last year because of a late setback. We might never see this horse again. So I think given he is the age he is, they should probably just run him now while he's healthy and not take the risk of not seeing him again. Yeah, and you're you're entitled to an opinion on that. And I think if it, you know the the one that counts is theirs. And maybe we need a new decision, a, a new um, term for pulling a horse out in this regard. You know, changed our minds. You know, a lot of people use off the feed or just trodden a stone. You know, that could as realistic as changed our minds is in in terms of of why they've decided not to run. Uh, Paddy, can you throw some common sense on the issue? I mean, there was a there was a lot of back and forward from people who really probably aren't qualified, including myself, to talk about this. Um, if they've decided that Altior shouldn't run on that day because a few of his runners haven't performed on the ground, the jockeys are telling him it's not what he wants, and they've got bigger targets in mind, even though it's a Tingle Creek, they're entitled. Of course they are. You know, it, it's their horse, they pay the bills. But I suppose what it boils down to sometimes, Dino, is we like to see these good horses and the public can in a way sometimes feel a little bit of entitlement, like, you know, the big supporters of, of, of these good horses. And yeah, I suppose we were a little bit surprised because we didn't, the market wasn't maybe telling us that the, the, there was going to be um, some sort of a, a last minute decision coming around. So it was a slightly out of the blue, although they did sort of raise the questions that, um, you know, there was, there was, no problem really and, and and he was going to run but you know then you heard conflicting factors that you know Nico de Boinville sort of was reasonably happy with the ground leading up to um Tingle <laughs> Creek day so I don't know look uh, there's only Nicky Henderson and, and Nico de Boinville know themselves but yeah it was disappointing to lose him uh, from the contest and you know plus I think you see people then straight away are, are, are going to say that about backing Paul Nichols because he's such a competitor Paul Nichols yeah. just he, he's he's got these race horses. He runs them. He wants to win races. They're there to do a job, and that's what he does. He's a real competitor, and you know, hats off to him. So I think that sort of just put a bit more salt in the wounds for people as well, and just maybe sort of blew it up a bit. But on the day, I mean, even Nichols said himself he was disappointed. He didn't get to run against Altior, but you know, he still got to take home a, a, a one-two in the Tingle Creek. So I don't think he was too heartbroken. No. I don't think he would be either. And I think that the, the salt and the rivalry between those two uh, trainers is actually really good for the game. And I think they, they treat it mostly with the respect and the and almost playing up to the, the, the situation that it deserves because we need that in the sport. Um, okay, look, we've probably talked about Altior enough. I, I don't think this is really the best part of the argument to talk about is it all about Cheltenham because maybe for Altior this year it is. And if that's the case totally entitled to that at this stage of his career there are many other horses with races they could go for during the season that haven't gone and done what Altior's done that um still have Cheltenham as their main agenda and that's that's a wider issue um for the calendar um I mean Politologa I think I, I summed up the race at the beginning saying that you know he's very good and the champion chase and now adding a, a, another Tingle Creek um you know fair play to them and Paul Nichols did very well let's move on to Chacuan Poursois because we saw that horse in Ireland Paddy he didn't have to do too much to prove that he was very well and uh, in good fettle and another uh, lightly raced horse and you know another one that he could have obviously gone for a Tingle Creek there's not many um not many entries come from Willie Mullins for that race at this time of year because the calendar has this race in Ireland the Hilly Way yeah and I mean it's almost frightening to think that Mullins said that he would actually improve from that run the other day 
Um, they rode him nice and patiently, and I just thought the way he went through his gears so quick, and 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 the distance he put between himself and the rest. I mean, look, he was by far the best horse in the race. The marker reflected that he was one to five, but you know, nonetheless, it was he'd probably he's done more this morning, I'd say, than what he did the other day, and I'd say probably. The most positive thing you could take out of that is the fact that Nichols said there was there was still sort of um, he he hadn't exactly bottomed this horse yet, and there was going to be more improvement to come. And um, you know he's rising nine now, but nonetheless he really is pretty low mileage check on Persuade, and that was as good as I've seen him the other day. Albeit, you know it was it was it was a pretty handy prep. Yep, the wheels are still on, Demo, for Chacuan Poissois. Now you'd think probably one more run and, and it will be it will be Cheltenham. Unfortunately, they had to come out on the day at Cheltenham last year. Like, um, you know, the, the race that we all thought we were going to get in the champion chase was decimated and then Deffy let the side down. But it would be great to get them all there this time round. It would. I mean, they all they all have kind of different questions to answer. We, we, we have to see how Altior is. Uh, Chacuan Poissois was brilliant here. But the fact that Chacon Persuas is a brilliant horse was never really in question. You know, I, I know he was he was beaten by a Plotard last year, but that was a that was a big kind of race to start off in over Christmas for his season, and he was kind of caught by arrival that day. But then he went on to the uh, Dublin Racing Festival afterwards, and he beat me in, and just it was very disappointing then on the day at Cheltenham because I remember he was on the morning line. The the girl yeah, he saw his big heads. Yeah, he, he looked. We both commented that that he looked very pensive, and my good God, he clearly was pensive anyway. Because <laughs> but um, he's yeah, like he's made a glass, unfortunately, because every part of this horse's career. I mean, that run of punches down in, in 2019 when he slammed Effie, that was brilliant, you know. And he's he's always just been a really really good horse, but it's just it's very hard to get involved with this whole division on an antipose basis because he's, he's three to one for that now, but God, you kind of want to be a bit mad to back him for that. Just, just considering his problems, like on the day you'd be all over that price, but just for now, we be very hard. So it's a division that you just have to watch nearly between, between closed hands and just kind of see what is going on because you've got to like to put the kettle on and, and Politolog, who are the, the really consistent ones. And then you've got Altior and Tracking for Swag, who've got question marks over them. So it could be a cracking division, Dean, or or we could be staring down the face of, uh, of a, a poor one again. Yeah, totally true. I mean, Dave, the only ones you could be guaranteed will turn up, but probably put the kettle on. And Politolog. And now maybe Grantine uh, will turn up as well. But if the sexy one turns up, we've got a great race. Uh, you know, I'm not going to ask you to pick the winner, but that's what we're looking at. Yeah, you know, fingers crossed they all turn up. Like, Shackham was caught for that win at Cork on, on Sunday, which is pretty ridiculous. But um, if he gets there, you'll have every chance. And Altior will probably be a big price, given it'll be his first run of the season. You won't know what to expect. So it <laughs> has all the makings to be a great race. But uh, whether they all get there or not is an entirely different question. And there'll probably be a market on Betfair for that soon. There probably will be. There probably will be. Dave, you can you can kick me off with all mankind because this is the up-and-coming division. Yeah, he, he was brilliant. Um he jumped super, he, a bit out to his left, but nothing drastic. Um, he tucked him along at a right clip, Galaw couldn't lay up with him. He had everything off the bit pr- pretty early. Hitman ran well in second, but just the visual of um, All Mankind taking Harry Skelton down to the second last, and it kind of looked as if Harry was just holding on for dear life, and um, he flew over it and, and stayed on well up, up the hill at Sandown. Um, so whether he'd get away with that at Cheltenham for an article, I don't know. 
um, be a different prospect facing Shishkin, but um, he's a very exciting horse going forward, and, and the Skelton's done a great job with him, having to go to hurdles to see where they were, and they'll go and chase him, and they've been rewarded with their grade one. Yeah, and that looked a seriously hot race, Paddy. All mankind going about it in uh, in very taking fashion, and the right horses behind. I think a lot of Hitman, GA Law has obviously run another good race, but albeit kicked into touch really by a performance from all mankind that um you know looks looks really really promising for the future for for dan and harry scout yeah it really was i mean we always did have uh, the prospect of this been run at a breakneck pace but they just couldn't lay up with all mankind you know even yeah. sort of galloping or jumping i mean uh, gal so far has looked very sure-footed and you know for a horse is only a four-year-old but he was out of his comfort zone the other day and um that's what i would have said about the whole field really that's what all mankind is he just he broke their hearts in behind and um you know he was very very impressive this sort of comment in commentary they said he got in on the second last but i thought you know he was very very quick on his feet yeah he was in tight but he was away from the back of it and gone and and nail the last then again and he's a horse who really has mentally grown up and Harry Skelton said that after the Warwick race that you know he he hasn't half improved mentally with his race and this horse and you know he's a bit more manageable now and I think the more he settles I think the more he'll actually improve and, and just relax into his racing but that was very good the other day because I mean El Dorado Allen he made him look very slow and mm. you know, uh, Thingy Tizard um Joe Tizard has said that he's probably one of the sharpest two-mile novice chasers they've ever had in the yard. So yeah, I think yeah. it just says a lot, doesn't it? Certainly does. And, you know, in any normal year, uh, without a, a, a shiskin around, you'd be super, super excited about all mankind. But you should never be afraid of a horse, especially the novice chase, Demo. Uh, yeah, of course, Dean. I mean, he was really impressive. And uh, you can only be kind of blown away by his jumping style and just the fact that he hammered Zanza the time before as well who who backed that form up I thought Hitman was uh, very eye-catching he looked like he he really will improve from that and I I'd be careful of the form I mean Fakir Duderi last season looked like an absolute world beater uh four-year-old kind of you know getting away from other horses now I know that the first second and third were all four-year-olds but still it, it, it's just and this race you know a spirit that the the Lars look a superstar before. I, I'd just be a bit careful as for something like the Arkle or whatever else. But this horse on a kind of a track like this, like he'll be some side of the entry, all mankind. Um, you know, he could be one maybe potentially that possibly flops in an Arkle, gets gets caught or beaten well by the likes of a Shishkin and then maybe avoids Shishkin at entry and um, absolutely polarises a field. Because while he looked really good. There's just there's much better novices out there, and this track on the day, everything really suited him. I'd just be a bit wary of him, and he kind of dipped away after after his first few brilliant runs last season as well. Yeah. Uh, that was a poor run, really, in the triumph, considering how bullish uh, the skeletons were about him. So whilst really impressed, he just would be a small bit kind of watchful of the form, that's all. Okay. You mentioned that might be a horse... Um for Aintree at the back end of the season. I mean, there was one of your favourite horses, ran at Aintree at the weekend at Santini. And I really thought he would he would struggle not to win the race. I wonder whether those couple of final fences um, maybe took some of Santini's power out of him, um, considering Lakeview Lad was able to, well, I actually thought it got a great ride from Brian Hughes uh, for the Alexander team, to, to collar Santini. Yeah, I thought this was actually a very good run, Dean. Mm-hmm. Um, I like... Again, Twitter massively overreacted and you saw the kind of same old comments, that horse won't be winning a gold cup. But 
when you pay attention to Nikki Henderson's uh, famous interview with Lydia, which, which was brilliantly interesting because, as you said, Lydia was entitled to completely grill him and he was entitled to get a bit narky back. It was great TV. But the one time that he really lightened up and his whole body shape got a whole lot better was, was very simple when he was talking about Santini. I mean, it was a farce of a race. The, the tree fences coming out in the home straight um, because of the low sun basically turned this into a jumper's bumper. And like, like Santini, he's a slow horse. He's an absolute grinder. And he's a horse that needs the fences to A, slow other horses down and B, to keep himself going. And when you couple that in for the fact that Nicky Henderson said before the race that this was the wrong track for him, but mm. he needed he needed uh, the run, and like it was just the whole thing was completely unideal to him. And at one point in the race, he was losing ground midway through the race, and he looked like he was going to finish fourth. And then, to to his credit, he completely rallied. He responded to Jerry McGrath's urgings, and he he just he completely kept going. And like it's. He couldn't obviously catch Lake Lad, who just showed a bit more leg uh, legs than him, and a bit more of a turn of pace would be a better phrase than legs. But um, he see like he just everything was wrong for him. Like the the lack of fences meant that that speed came into play. The track itself is a speedy track anyway, and um, he was given the winner six pounds. So like I don't understand the negativity with this because. At the end of the day, at the weight, Santini still came out as the best horse. And this time last season, when he, when he made his debut effort in a much worse race, he was he was brutal as well. So I think Santini, he's not my Gold Cup, Gold Cup bet just yet because I have an awful fear about Nicky Henderson horses, particularly uh, kind of going south after uh, after running well in a Gold Cup. Um, but that would not turn me off him at all. He's drifted out to about nine to one and he could end up that price in the day and I definitely would be backing him because he's done this a few times now and he's just he's being slowly geared up to the to the gold cup and I think he deserves enormous credit for that okay yeah I mean he's not going to be the sexiest horse in the betting or in uh, in people's minds going into into a gold cup again this time round, having been you know a little bit more exposed last time and, and and going so close but Paddy more positives and negatives from Santini's run yeah, I didn't think it was that bad at all. I just thought Brian Hughes was very, very good on the winner. Who, you know, let's not forget, he's no back number uh, on his day, Lakeview lad. And yeah, you know, Brian Hughes was getting the leg up for the first time. And I thought he was poetry on him now. Very, very clever ride. Wasn't ideal. Obviously, the defences weren't in. But we'd seen earlier in the afternoon, you know, the likes of walking the mill and, and whatever. Horses that have never been on the floor in their life. At the chair, they were coming up from outside the wings. The, the sun mm. was an issue, unfortunately. And, I know um, for 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 the, the the viewer, it's 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 not nice to watch, really um, seeing horses go around fences. But nonetheless, I mean, I thought Santini he was a little bit laboured the other day and behind the bridle wasn't really helping Jerry out in the closing stages. But you know, he gave the winner six pound and he was only beat a length. Um, mm. You know, and I thought a good run by Native River as well, who certainly wasn't suited by the fences not being in either but you know they were all in the same boat they had to deal with that and I thought overall probably wasn't a bad comeback at all yeah I don't think the connections of any of the front three will be too upset with that Dave will they I mean, obviously the winner won't be no Dean um, yeah like it was a funny race to watch because I was kind of following it on the exchanges as well and Santini never really drifted until he was under serious pressure and then he came in and he was 1.5 or 
Um, and then he threw his head in the air and wandered around all over the place. It was, it was nearly funny to watch because he was so raw and he looked like it was his first time ever seeing a racetrack. But um, as Dermo says, that's just him. He takes a bit of a few races to get going. Um, Brian Hughes was very clever on him. He waited and waited and waited and waited and made made everyone else um, play their hand. And then he then he kicked and was always holding Santini towards a the end. Counting ride. I thought it was yeah. a very good ride. It was class. It was pure. It's kind of the ride that kind of gets you excited. You know, the Paul Carby sitting and waiting and was that kind of stuff. Like, that, yeah. yeah. Um, and like Frodon and, and Native River, once them fences came out, they really had no chance because jumping is really their, their main asset. Um, so it's completely unsatisfactory. I don't know what you do about it. You put that race on at 12 o'clock um, to ensure that all the fences are jumped, but then ITV wouldn't be happy because it doesn't fit into their prime um, schedule. It, it's a very tricky one, but something has to be done because there's no point declaring, especially with 48-hour decks, there's no point declaring for a race that you think you're going to jump 15 fences, 16 fences, whatever, and you end up jump, jumping half that. Like you wouldn't, like Native River wouldn't have run in that race or for on because it wouldn't have suited them and, and they knew it wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't have suited. So, mm. um, I think the BHA and the HRI probably need to come together. There's loads of issues to raise at the moment. To get into, but like the program is all wrong and this crack going on. So, the, the S Lake Valley was brilliant, brilliant for Trevor Hemmings, who has had two big winners now in a row with um having the, the Labrook winner the week before, and after yeah. dispersing his horses prior to that, um, it's great to see him getting his reward for being such a, a supporter. Of the game and say yes, say yes goal as well uh, over the weekend yeah, as well. So very true. Um, great for Trevor Hemmings. Great result for the connections, but it's it's very unsatisfactory, really. Yeah, it's not like it's the first time we've ever spoken about Low Sun taking fences out of big races on a Saturday. It seems to no. be uh, this is every year, and uh, there's nothing you do. The sun does set the same place, same time. Yeah, mostly, exactly. Uh, during this time of the year, so uh, I think you raised some uh, some valid points. But there are, you know, obviously TV issues and all sorts of other issues to uh, to work out, I guess, um, to get that done. Talk to me about Verleon Rouge, though. I mean, a repeat victory. What is it? Three or four years since he won it before the feature, and uh, Kimberlite Candy and Lebroy, the right horses in behind. That looked like a very solid uh, Grand National um, prelude. Yeah, he's a class horse, isn't he? Um, mm. Like I think I read somewhere he's jumped the most fences successfully now of of the the national fences. Um, he's just a class horse. Now he's he won by twenty four lengths. He got a fair, a fair whack by the handicapper as well. He's up to one five two now. Um, mm. Kimberly Candy ran a very eye catching race. Um, he'd be one now to be interested in come April and Lebroy. Um, he needs to win a race. He needs to find a race to win to get into that race because he, he he was dropped a pound for finishing third in that race. But um, yeah, he's some sight over them fences. It's, um, unfortunately, walking walk the Millfield kind of changed the, the nature of the race. But um, yeah. school school was flying. I'm sorry, what name is Connor O'Farrell. Sorry, <laughs> Connor O'Farrell, indeed. Yeah, um, Paddy, another week on the on the race out, and we're talking about another big Saturday winner for for the Pipe Yard. I mean, they're, they're going well with their with their main stable runners, aren't they? Yeah, they certainly are, and I mean, they've campaigned this horse very, very well. They know what what his speciality is, and I thought a very good ride by Connor. You know, the last yeah. mile or so, he's gone right round the inside, but he did hang on to this chap as long as he could, and. It was a very good performance for a horse, you know, and this time next month he's going to be 12-year-old. Um, mm. But fair play, a real nice prize on the day. And and um, I thought the horse back and forth, I thought, was eye-catching as well. Calypso Colons, I thought he ran pretty well, albeit he only had nine stone 11 on his back. Um, but I thought he showed up just well enough, maybe for the future going forward, back over these fences for Ollie Murphy. Yeah. 
yep lovely introduction to those fences it's great to have them jumped as well um at this time of year kind of reminds you of what's to come uh for everybody even the housewives uh in april time demo i must give you a big shout out for um for Benson, the horse that you said, if it didn't absolutely run off into the car park, would win. And uh, it did win. Yeah, he he's he's still won enough handicap off, off 10 pounds higher. He, he's just such a rogue. Um, like, you know, his debut over hurdles was in a contender's hurdle game when he, he arguably could have won it uh, coming to two out. Like, how how Dr. Richard Newland decided to put him in that um, for his first run over hurdles was just unbelievable. And he came there to win the race and just kicked his jockey off. And the last two runs at Hereford, he gave Sam Twiston Davis an awful time and eventually got up to win by half a length. And you could even see if you watch it back at different parts, Gavin Sheehan has to really persuade him to to jump off in the first place and then um, kind of has to shimmy him along at different parts. And he was at pains not, not to be in front. He makes his move and Benson completely misses the second last but again Gavin Sheehan just was brilliant by just not forcing him to do anything because you can't and then he just basically chased down the winner and then won at the end like he just started I mean he's he's a very good horse he could be a horse that 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 if he ever relents to do something could pop up in a big race at a big price I think he can run in the supreme novices hurdle next year uh, because he only finally won his maiden hurdle in October um, so there's there's loads of options for this horse, I actually think off a mark of 139, which he's on now, I think he'd go very well in a Betfair hurdle if they wanted yeah. to hold him back for that. And Dr. Richard Newell's horses, um, he deserves a shout out as well. His horses are in brilliant form. But just Benson, he's that was a brilliant mark of 127, but he's still well weighted um, of 137 now. And um, I just think that there's there's plenty more to come from him. But you'd be needing the price of 10 to 1, which we put him up at on the podcast next week. Or he went off about 6 to 1. That was a fair price. But you'd need something like that because uh, you, you, you just have sure. a lovely feeling that this horse could kind of give you a bit of the, the, the Mad Moose vibe, you know? Yeah, yeah. Another talented rogue. Uh, we do we do have time for those types of horses on this podcast. In fact, we generally tip them every week. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the that's, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, we were all over uh, Secret Prive a couple of weeks ago. That managed to win uh, a Welsh national trial at Chepstow this weekend. So sometimes you have to listen to us a week uh, behind uh, to find the winners on the race out. Before, I mean, I'll throw Min at everybody and see if anyone saw any more than I did. But Min uh, won, uh, <laughs> of course. And uh, it, was, it was a decent day for... Um, for, for Willie Mullins uh, with Min winning, but uh, that meeting was then abandoned because of all the horrible fog. And if there, there was anything else anyone else wanted to talk about, uh, feel free. Anyone want to opine on Min? I mean, he seems he seems like he's in in good order. Paddy Mullins said that he um, it was a real pity because he actually gave a jumping exhibition. But sure, we could yeah. all say that, you know. <laughs> but you didn't see there that was class. It, it was very convenient for Paddy Mullins because uh, he probably wouldn't have got the ride if he abandoned the race for the Monday or the Tuesday. Uh, Paul would have been able to come back on him. So uh, I, I'd say Paddy was like, yeah, cancel it now after after that. It's grand. I, I have my win. Okay, so uh, that concludes the review of the weekend and uh, and the action across the last seven days on the race. After we come back from uh, this short break, we will be talking about Friday at Cheltenham, a little bit of banger, and Cheltenham and Doncaster on Saturday on ITV. You're listening to The Race Hour, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. You're listening to The Race Hour podcast, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips, news and the best odds for horse racing. Looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-off offers in the industry? 
and you'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk, sponsors of the race hour. Hello and welcome back to the Race Hour brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan, Dermot Nolan, Paddy Aspel and Dave Weldon. Uh, Friday at Cheltenham is first on the agenda uh, to spin through. Uh, the nice mayor of Fergal O'Brien's who, um, who, who stepped up lovely only eight days ago, Agent Valdez to win under Panny Breden, takes a penalty into this race. Dave, I'll let you go first with the mayor's handicap chase. Um, I thought this was a, a mayor going places. It got it in a bit lightly here as well. Yeah, Dean, um, she won very well at Leicester um, the last eight, and she's only two pounds well in because she's seven pound penalty and only got mark of 110. So I, I don't know whether she's amazingly handicapped or not. Um, I thought it was fairly tricky. The one I liked was uh, Nick Cap for um, Nigel Hawk. He's claiming seven pounds off him as well, but he finished second behind Ariana Philip Hobbs, who won again since and has to give a bit of weight away. And in, in that race as well, Martiala was. Uh, placed third who reposes here again and I just thought on the bare form um, given Nick Hap is only a six year old and looks to be improving and is still lightly raced I thought for 120 with seven pounds claimed off I thought um, she was the one to be on here at around six to one Okay vote for Nick Hap for Nigel Hawke uh, Yeah Dean uh, this was a race that, that I've gone through a few times and just with how well Agent Valdez is in I just landed on her uh, but really just kind of a token selection I thought Black Tulip was was very good last time and uh, Venetia Williams or Spally Gem could be anything at all uh, after a wind operation wouldn't surprise me at all to see a bit of a gamble on her but just for the performance last time and how well that she gets in here again I just thought Angel Valdez probably is the best but it's not a race I'd be getting involved in all that heavily really. Yeah, it might not be the most um, talked about race of the weekend, but it could be one of the trickier ones to solve, Paddy. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a mixture, really. I mean, I probably had slight preference for Black Tulip. She's You look down to her record, she's not the easiest to win with, but mm. the way she went about it the last day from the front, she did win by six lengths. Richard Patrick gets the leg up tomorrow, so maybe off 115. She could still be competitive off that, but consistency now wouldn't be her strong point. Okay. Um, what about Paddy? I'll let you go first with the the rerouted Peterborough chase, which is at Cheltenham at one, one at one fifty. Um, it looks like Mister Fisher has been declared here for Nico de Boinville and Nicky Henderson, so they'll be skipping the Caspian Caviar and taking in this race. But this looks hot enough. Fanny on around top notch currently top of the market, but likes of Dolos and Clondor Castle and Kalashnikov, Glen Forster and Bundoran. It's a good field. Yeah, it certainly is, and you know we've got plenty of course winners here as well now, and obviously. Yep. Top notch is a previous Peterborough winner um, round Huntingdon, and he's not a horse who has withstood an awful lot of racing. We've only seen him three times last year, but you know he has got a good record fresh, and they've done his wind over the summer again. So I'm sure connections will be pretty bullish going into this, you would imagine. But you know, nonetheless, I thought Venetia's horse that was a good comeback run by Fanny on Destreval just made a mistake and, and, and you know, it really emptied his tank out on comeback at Cheltenham. So you'd imagine he'll strip fitter for that and Venetia's horses are running even better now than what they were then. But I think for me, top notch possibly be pretty hard to beat here. Okay. 
both a top-notch demo. You have a crack at the the rerouted. Yeah, first of all, it's crazy that this race is on in Cheltenham. You've taken a race from a flat right-handed track and put it on an undulating left-handed track, which is is just not fair for horses that kind of need to go right-handed and might have been targeting at this. But look, that's a separate point. We won't add more complaints to uh, to to to, uh, to the podcast. But uh, I thought top-notch will that race has got enough problems. <laughs> top-notch uh, could well be hard to stop here. He's a very good horse for this level. Um, these are the kind of races that you know he's been winning as the season goes on he's the kind of prime horse that Isaac Swade and Simon Muneer kind of pick up these really consistent kind of uh, grade 2 kind of grade 3 horses but I thought giving £6 to Fenian Destreval will be very hard I thought that performance last time from, from that horse was really good behind Magic Saint and it has to be remembered that Magic Saint tried to give £11 away to um, last time out um, and just kind of he couldn't do it. And he actually ran very well in Ford for that because he made an absolutely terrible mistake behind uh, behind the horse. We really fancied uh, first flow. And um, that was a yep. that was a good performance afterwards. So that was kind of smart form for Finian Desterval. And he gets he gets weight nearly from all of these, really. And I just thought that uh, at nine to two or so that uh, Finian Desterval for... Venetia Williams, who's as Paddy said, has really started picking up, and I thought ninety two about that horse um, as a five year old who, who's really going places uh, was uh, a very good price. Yeah, you could be on the real progressive one there for sure with Fanny Destrial. Uh, Dave, tell me how any horse in this race can give weight to a, a superstar like Kalashnikov because I know you like to guess which horse I like. Uh, it's obviously Kalashnikov. Yeah, well, Dean, I agree. Um, I Yay. think Klashikov is a stonk in each way bet here to nothing at 11 to 2. Um, I think the run at um, Haydock was quietly good. Um, finishing seventh was held up out the back um, with probably a view to running in the Peterborough at Huntington. Fair enough, it's rerouted here. Cheltenham doesn't really offer too many issues for Klashnikov. I know unlucky there. Un- unlucky, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. where I was looking for. Unseaten in the in the article was very unfortunate. Um, mm. And Especially I think, that, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think this has probably been the aim for uh, Amy Murphy's team. So I think it probably suits perfectly. Amy Murphy's had a fantastic year all year round. Um, winners left, right, and centre, and. I I can't really see like Mr. Fish was has a massive um question mark after his run in the Paddy Power the last time. Yes, top notch and Fanny and I are favourites, but apart from them two, Kalashnikov should be a shorter price than he is. Yeah, I am very keen on Kalashnikov uh, this weekend. I'm looking forward to that one running for sure. So me and you, Dave, uh, tickets to the cheap seats already bought. Um, <laughs> why don't we move on to the 225? Uh, demo, i got to let you start here because it looks like Court Maid is coming over for the uh, Unibet Handicap Chase, the Grade 3, uh, with David Mullins and Thomas uh, Yeah, I can't believe the price of Court Maid. I just think this is one of the, the best bets you'll see. I mean, this... This looks like it kind of backs up my theory that 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 this horse is a four miler horse really a court made. Um, I think she's she's perfect for that race. She's about twelve to one now. If she wins this, she probably will shorten up again. Has to be remembered now as well that obviously with the the new restrictions that David Mullins comes over for this one ride, but he won't have to um to hide away for two weeks afterwards, so he can keep going. And um, it's just very interesting that obviously he. He makes a trip over. The, the horse is even coming. Um, is just really interesting altogether. And um, she was 
it can't be said enough how brilliant she was last time. And this must have been an early closing race because she's she's up to a mark of 152 in Ireland now, but she's on the racing post as 148, but she's on the BHA website as 143. It's kind of hard to know what mark she's actually on. Um, but regardless of her mark, she's she's getting 12 pounds from Black Corton um, and then she's to give weight to the remainder, but she's just, she's a better, more progressive horse than, than all of these really. And just with just how devastating she was last time. The fact that they punted her off the boards for a grade one race, she went off nine to two behind Pensifula Led and Latest Exhibition. She didn't run a race that day, but it still led you to believe that there was that there's a very good horse over fences here. Afterwards, uh, Tom Mullins, who obviously knows the time of day, was saying that they were planning for the Irish National with her, but it depended what the handicapper did. She's probably just a bit too high, so why not? take advantage of a mark like this she'll love the trip she'll love whatever ground is thrown at her and um getting 12 pounds from black Corton, she's she's 10 to 3 here i see in front of me and i just think that's an that's an amazing price for a horse who i fancy to win this and then go on and win the uh the uh, three mile six or the three mile six here, yeah up against probably galvin yeah. or something like that That'd be pretty exciting stuff um it, it, this is an exciting entry actually for for the mullins camp for thomas mullins's camp with court made paddy yeah defo i mean i think what we've got to remember here is she's only had four runs over fences and i mean mm. she's jumped around some big stiff tracks as well one thing about her is she's very good on her feet she's a great jumper um and although ground was bad and it's only 12 days since her last run she won very very nicely and you know she certainly looks progressive could be a nice bit of place. And then yeah, it's interesting what Dermot says about her mark because, you know, I have her here five pound wrong and they've got her mark as one four eight. So debatable as to the is her actually mark one four three and she is running five pound wrong, but you know, given what her Irish one is now, she could probably still have a bit of room to to, to maneuver, you know? Yeah. Um Demo thinks she's well handicapped up about one six five. So we should, we should be okay with court made. Dave, have you got any water to pour on this fire or have we found the, the winner of this race? No, I'm just chucking more wood in, Dean. Just get it going. Oh, to get good. this horse to go off odds on. Let's get it going. Okay. So court made for you as well. Okay. I mean, Black Corton's going to set uh, some task and Paul Nichols has shown already this season he doesn't mind going off big weights um, with it, with his with his stable runners and taking them on here. And um, yeah, it could be interesting. West Approach obviously will, will you know, make it a test as well. So um yeah, I'm not sure the price is amazing, but if Dermot's right, then Dermot's right, generally. So, fingers crossed for Court Maiden in the 225. Um, Dave, there's no easy lands in the cross-country, but that's where we go next on the Friday. Um, Never Rush a Con, who was a winner of the, the kind of Punchestown equivalent on, on the return this season, looked really good. So, I'm not surprised to see that one favourite, but um, a decent field in behind, even if we don't have perhaps the main pretenders for, for, for Cheltenham time come much. Yeah, it's an interesting race. Um, be a good watch. I, I don't really have a bet in it. I thought it was interesting that Darrow Keeve was coming over to ride my hometown for it and the Bulger because I don't mm-hmm. think he gets the same exemption as David Mullins will get in the in the Unibet it's race. The class two handicap, I it, would say not. I think it, it's it's listed in in graded contests. Exactly. Yeah. So I I don't think he does. So it's interesting he's coming over for that ride. Um, he was pulled up the last day, but they must think he's he's has a bit in him and there's, he's around nine to one. So that's probably where I'd be throwing my few shillings each way. Um, I think Kingswell Theatre's probably been overlooked as well. I know he's gone up in the handicap a bit, but he was very impressive the last day. And if he reproduces that run, um, he'd be very hard to stop. But I'd probably just chance my hometown. There's a, that end of Bulger can work his magic. Okay. 
uh, my hometown for Dave. Uh, Paddy, um, these are the kind of like the, the ones that won't be at the top of the betting for the big race come March time, but maybe a big performance here could put them there. Yeah, I think I'm not really sure for me. I know Never Rush Khan, he's very, very good round Punchestown, but mm. he's never really showed up uh, round, these, round this track here, to be honest. Um, I think well that, beaten last year. Ran better behind Easy Land at this meeting, I think, the year before, but he, still. As yeah, you say, well, you're right. He has got one reasonable run in behind him, um, mm. but definitely he, he's 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 um, he's very 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 good round Punchestown. But I think the Cottons they weren't happy with the handicapping system for the French horse, so they were like, "There's nothing wrong with the horse," but they simply weren't happy to come because of um, how the horse was meeting Kingswell Theatre now on on the sort of terms he was meeting them, uh, right. which is disappointing. Um, yep. But anyway, they said he'll certainly be still on course for the festival. But I think obviously they had hard races, didn't they? Both Kingswell Theatre and Bode Brise because uh, they were on the front end the whole way the yep. last time, but um, still very very likable. I would probably take um, a chance with the Hobbs horse here, Bode Brise. I mean, he's not prolific this lad, but. I did think that was a hell of a good run the last day. Um, he has got 11-2 on his back this time around, but still very, very solid effort last time. Disappointing the French horses are coming, but nonetheless, it's not actually a bad lineup. No, decent, I think. Uh, Bode Brise for you, Paddy. Dermo, do you have a view? Uh, yeah, I thought Out Sam was actually a, a decent price here, running off 11-4. I mean, his, his last... Mm. His last two goals at this, he was third behind Easy's Land and Tiger Roll. And then the time before that, under Keith Dunhu, he was third again, 13 lengths behind Easy Land and another French horse, Amazing Comedy. So, like, the times that Out Sam has taken taken these fences on, he's he's met them well. He's just bumped into really strong horses. He won't meet anything like that. And the likes of Kingswell Teeter has given him three pounds. There's very little between them two on, on their form around here. Bar last time, obviously, Kingswell Teeter was brilliant. But, you know... Tiger Roll didn't run well and Easy Land was he was trying to give away the the amount of weight that I nearly weigh, which is uh, is not light after lockdown, I can tell you. And the um and it's it, it just seems like he's kind of up to eleven seven and out Sam running off eleven four, a horse who's shown great aptitude for this. So I think out Sam is a decent bet here at a seventeen to two or something. Okay, out Sam Gordon Elliott, Sean Bowen uh, taking the ride for that one in the three o'clock there. Um, we come to the the last race of the day. Paddy, they gave um, Nicky Henderson's on the blind side almost a confident booster at, at Cheltenham in the November meeting to go over hurdles off one four five, and now up five pounds. They're going to try and repeat the trick in this class too. Um, very likely it goes off favourite, and I thought I had a little bit more in hand um, than the winning margin looked the last day. It has got five pounds for it though in the finale at Cheltenham on Friday. Yeah, won by a neck, and like you say, I think it was a reasonably um, snug neck, wasn't it? And hmm. very, very likable, and you know, probably a nice bit of place and by connections. And you'd imagine that has obviously done his confidence no harm whatsoever. I thought this was a tricky one, Dino, because there could be a few lurkers here. You know, there's one or two of these are coming into the race, and we've got last year's winner, Goodbye Dancer, who he's actually. He's two pound wrong at the weights, but he he won this last year at a off a very very similar weight. But I mean, yeah. he's coming into the to the race in absolutely rank form. But you know, even leading into this race last year, he wasn't exactly um, setting the world alight. So be interesting. Keep an eye on him. Obviously, he's only going to have ten stone. But I thought maybe one at a price. I thought, come on, Teddy was a bit of an eye catcher at 
you talk sort of the last day behind Ashdown lad. I mean, he was well beaten in the end, but he just looked for five strides like he was going to be involved in the race at some point. Looked to me like a, a real improver off the back of that run, and he's only got 10 stone too. Okay. Uh, come on, Teddy, for Tom Jones and Sam Twist and Davies. Uh, Dave? Yeah, I liked them. Um, I thought it was a very good race, actually. It's, it's fascinating. Like, you like you know what I mean. Harry won the last mm-hmm. time under Kevin Brogan. Um, and the new looks fairly well handicapped. Del Arc has been fair form this year. Um, but the one I landed on is, of course, the distance winner in Boyhood for Tom George and Kieran Gettings. He's below his last mark. He's a very consistent horse. Um, he's placed 11 times from 17 runs on the rules. And I just think he, he's below a winning mark now. And 16 to 1, uh, you probably get four places as a, as a promotion with, with some bookmakers for this. There's 14 declared for it um, at that price with the extra place or so. Even at the three places at 16 to 1, I think he's a great chance to be in the frame. Um, he's below his last winning mark. And he just looks as if a big run is due. Okay, like a couple of double-figure priced horses so far. That's Boyhood, Kieran Geffens and Tom George. Uh, Dan? Yeah, I thought Agripart was a big old price here, Dean. Um, as much as I completely respect on the blind side and as much as Mrs. Milner got close to him, I completely agree with you. It was like they were nearly half-minding on the blind side just just to make sure they didn't break his heart. I, I thought he could have won by an awful lot further. So on the blind side is a favourite that you have to respect. But just running off Levenstone 6 here, all, all Agripart, I mean, his... His runs in France didn't work out. I mean, that can happen at times. Horses can can go over there, and just the, the style of racing doesn't suit. But he's down to a mark of 145 now, and with Chester Williams claiming off him, he's down to 140. And I mean, last season, he what was he? He was uh, six and a half lengths behind Limited Reserve in a major handicap at at Sandown. He was five lengths behind the mm. uh, the World's End in the Long Walk Hurdle at Ascot, and then kind of like it's not that long ago. It's only May 2019 that. He was winning last time um, and on the level, obviously, under Megan Nichols. But, like, this horse has been a brilliant servant. And we're going back to January 2018 when he beat Holstone here by uh, by three lengths at Cheltenham. So this is the lowest mark that this horse will be running off for quite a while. The Nick Williams yard is showing a small bit more life. And he's a good horse on his day. And it's just kind of... he. He'll end up getting about £10 from on the blind side. And if he does come back to life at all, Dean, 16 to 1 or so, just just looks quite big. OK, uh, shout for Agripart there. I mean, I'd be pretty keen that on the blind side can go and do this again. And that would actually be three wins in a row, having picked up one of those uh, uh, bumper races at Newcastle back in February. So that'd be pretty good return to form for the eight-year-old who had a yeah, pretty promising career ahead of him at one point, and it's still a highly rated animal uh, with places to go. There is a bit of banger as well on the Friday. Unfortunately, that race has cut up um, something rotten, and we've now got an odds-on shot for Dan Skelton and Harry Skelton with Robin's goal, um, which I assume no one is going to take on. So unless anyone wants to um, have a chat about the banger race, we can kick straight into Saturday's racing. Um, and the first race on that card is the Spread X Handicap Chase, um, where it looks like... Um, Forest Behan, First Flow, Magic Saint, these kind of runners could be turning up. Um, but like always, we, we get a bit of dual entries and stuff like that going on here. But Dave, why don't you go for this race first? Because it's a cracker to kick it off. It, it is, Dean. Um, I think the interesting one, the one the eye goes straight 
too is, is Mengli Khan for Nicky mm. Henderson. Um, and can Nicky Henderson work a bit of magic with him and, and get him back to what he was? It'd be a fascinating sight. Um, I, I like I won't have a bet in this race yet. It's it's too trappy away for Dex. Like Born Survivor ran a lovely race behind Magic Saint the last day. Moonlighter's form was advertised by Grenadine Tingle Creek. I think Zanz has probably been harshly treated for winning that race at Newbury that Moonlighter fell in. Um, and first flow made a fool of me the last time, so um, that's not hard. But I I, I think I'll avoid this race for the moment. Yeah, I think you might you would be best not to comment on first flow. We'll let Dermo do that. Dermo. Uh, yeah, absolutely love first flow. Obviously, uh, really good last time. And he could just be again still ahead of the handicapper. Magic Saint could do him a big favour here by by keeping his weight down. So he's he's the one to beat. But Ibleo only has one, one entry all weekend. Um, and this horse right. was second by a short head to Amula Gold last time. And a line through Amula Gold. She was very close behind um, first flow last time as well. So the the form does all all marry up. And Iblio, you know, it didn't go up a whole pile for that. Went up five pounds, but gets in here off um, off ten stone four if all the weights stay the same. So first flow will have to give that rival an awful lot of weight if the ground worsens yeah. and this horse does run. Uh, Venetia Williams horses will obviously absolutely thrive in it and this horse gets in here off a crazy low mark so as much as I love first flow Iblio could just end up being a bit more of a nicer price on the day Dean and uh, I think Iblio could take an awful lot of stopping uh, because Venetia's had him had him in now a few times and he just hasn't quite turned up so they're obviously waiting for the the right conditions on the right day because that was a serious effort as I said last time and Iblio is extremely interesting there. Yeah, they've been super patient with entries because it feels like we've discussed Iblio uh, almost weekly without without seeing uh, Venetia Williams' seven-year-old back out on the track. Paddy, this is by no means the final confirmed field, so it's tricky enough at this point. Only a couple of them uh, are jocked up, certainly from what I can see. Like sort of, uh, Nature was jocked up for Brian Ellison. Actually, Brian Ellison's got jockeys across all his horses um, over the weekend already. So Brian Hughes will be on Forest B and in there. But I mean, tricky enough at this point, isn't it? Yeah, got very little to go on really in that sense. But obviously... Zanza, he beat our horse the last day very well at Newbury, didn't he, Dino? Um, yes, King indeed. Uh, the King of May, who, who ran a big race, but Zanza was just well, almost way too professional and then race fit, wasn't it? Yeah, very, very good. And, you know, you sort of got the impression, looking at Dickie from the back of the last, he was almost surprised how, how well he'd won and, and how easy he'd won. I mean, he's, he looks very progressive, this lad. And he had three starts over fences. Obviously, he's got more to do now off of one four five, but he's only a six year old. He's very, very likable and I'd be far happier with the with the form of, of the Hobbs team now. So hopefully if Zanza is declared, he looks very progressive to me. Yeah, he does. And would uh would back up our previous um view of the King of May who had to finish second to it the last day. Uh, fascinating race to kick off things. The one fifty actually at Cheltenham though is probably one of the biggest weekend biggest races of the weekend, obviously. With the Caspian Caviar Gold Cup, um, Paddy, why don't you kick us off with this? I, mean, I think we have a better idea of what's like to turn up. Obviously, Mister Fisher is declared the day before, so that one won't be there. But you know, you've got likes of Cool Cody going for a double in these big handicaps. Our dancer is back for more, and Master Tommy Tucker has been very good since beaten by our dancer. And uh, Brian Ellison, another one to jock up one of his early, and that's Windsor Avenue. Yeah, I did. It's a really, really warm race, as you would expect for the money just shy of sixty grand. But I mean, I've seen an interview with. Tom O'Brien the other day and he's very excited about getting back on Cool Cody and you know I mean I know look he, he I thought he summed it up lovely 
himself the other day. He said he can get a bit low at one or two, but that's just his style. It's not like he's a bad jumper. Um, you know, he mm. just can be a little bit casual, but without doing anything silly, he's just a little bit casual with with his with his front end. Um, but you know, the engine is there, and he, like he said himself, he says you, you'll put up with one or two low ones on the way around if you know that you've got a horse that just isn't going to lie down underneath you. And although, yeah, look, it was a tough race, and he, he's gone from the front the whole way. He wasn't stopping um, at Cheltenham, and you know that was very very likeable for cool Cody and I mean for a nine-year-old this study is seven start over fences he's not been out of the two in his last four starts he looks very very progressive this chap um but like I say this is red red hot be interesting to see what does turn up here but for me I'm glad that the, the Evan Williams team has finally turned the corner and this chap um for me I hope can continue it yeah, fully entitled for the for the six pound ride last time. Even if that might actually even be a little bit on the light side, demo for Cool Coat. Yeah, he was brilliant, wasn't he? And um, if his jumping mm. improves, there's an awful lot of upside to him. Um, I'm just inclined to kind of take him on, just just for that reason. I think the the stars completely aligned on the day, but I completely respect everything Paddy's saying and the likes of um, Master Tommy Tucker will will completely keep his weight down. So he's he has to be uh, widely respected again, but just that was a huge effort and how much of a mark that that might have potentially uh, left on him. And I think this this is a better race as well, Dean. Um, Master Tommy Tucker is interesting, but just kind of, he's he's been absolutely flawless. You know, for a horse who, who's crazy and everything else, he's been brilliant. But just him in a big field, I, I'd be concerned about him a small bit. You know, he, he dominates these small fields and, my God, did he give good by Bobby some beating last time, and he was just faultless. But you'd just be a bit concerned now about him losing interest and kind of throwing a bit of a strop in a big field like this. So with with those questions answered, there's, there's no doubt that he could potentially be a grade one horse running in this race, but you, you'd have to take him on. Aldance was very good last time, but again, I'm just kind of not sure how well handicapped this this horse is. So I've landed on two. The the first is a uh, Midnight Shadow, who um, of this parish, uh, Stephen Cass, I know is very keen of, and he put it up on Twitter as well. And as as Stephen Cass said, uh, this horse ran an absolute blinder last season in the Marsh Chase. He was the only one who could live up with the, the front tree of Melon, Sam Crow and Faheen. And that was a very warm Marsh Chase. So for him to achieve that was was quite a level of form. And understandably, he dipped away in the end. But before that, he had some like he was giving Champ a good run that day. Champ was going to beat him, but Champ fell and he won the race at Cheltenham last season. And then he was second behind Itchy Feet, second behind Keeper Hill, and uh, third behind Bruno Storm when Sue Smith's horses were completely out of form. Sue Smith, like her horses have turned somewhat of a corner, but she's kind of had a lean enough time of it. But they kind of seem, seem to be coming back a small bit. Like her absolutely Dylan there was kind of unlucky not to win at Hexham uh, just there. So her horses are coming back to form, but just off a mark of 148 and 11 stone three. Midnight Shadow looks a very big price there at um, a 12 to 1 or so because he's a real class act, this horse, and his hurdles form is very strong. He's won here at Cheltenham in the past. He'll enjoy the track. Um, he's ran in hotter races than this, and he could just be one that if the ground worsens and Sue Smith can kind of turn this corner with her team, which she looks like she might just be turning it, Midnight Shadow is a very big price. But one of the huge prices that I just couldn't kind of move away from was um, Ibis Darudi, Dean, there at um, at 50 to 1. I've had a few pennies on this one each way. If Richard Hobson can get this horse back, 
I, there's an awful lot of upside in this horse off a mark of 135. I mean, he's running here off 10 stones four if he gets in, but he should get in. Paul O'Brien will claim another three pounds, so he's running off 10 stone one. And once this horse completely lost his way under Paul Nichols, a change of yard could could do the trick. And when you go back through his form, I mean, he beat Flying Angel here at Cheltenham in 2016. He was fifth in that novice handicap chase. He's just, he's ran some absolutely huge races and was clearly, he's lost his form. It would just be very interesting if uh, Richard Hobson can revive this horse. He could just be one at huge odds who's kind of been at, been at very little. So his mark has fallen accordingly and 50 to 1 for him. And the fact that Richard Hobson clearly thinks highly enough of his form so far that he's he's put him into a race like this. 50 to 1 could just be huge, but uh, the more solid option being Midnight Shadow, but just Ibis Daru is quite interesting. Yeah, and what is fascinating about Ibis Daru, they're not coming back in some kind of you know yeah. tin pot race somewhere. They're going for a big pot first time of asking after 609 days off. So I do think that is uh, that is pretty interesting, all right. Um, fair play for, for flagging it up. Um, Windsor Avenue is the one that fascinates me in this race. I thought it ran really, really well on seasonal return. Now, I know Brian Ellison is very confident about running running a big race in this, and they've come down. Brian Hughes will be, is already dropped up. Uh, but that run behind Imperial Aura um, looks very good. I don't think 148 will be anywhere near the ceiling. And, of course, Al Dancer. Uh, Sam, Twist and Davis, if you're on Al Dancer at the weekend in Caspian Caviar, um, try and hit the front about two out, and let's see what happens. Because that's the big question mark over our dance. I think it's all in the tank, just needs to hit the front. Uh, Dave, do you have a, a fancy for this? You must have. I do, I do. Um, Dermot kind of robbed all my work there, but um, Midnight Shadow is the one. Um, it's The Seussmith form is a concern, but I think that's kind of factored into the price. Um, so I think you can play away at 12 to 1, 10 to 1. Um, mm. The key to him, I think, is, is this new course around Cheltenham. He's ran a couple of times over um over hurdles as well and he's, he's won a couple of times um last year in a beaten champ when he, he fell um and the year before that he won uh, a two and a half mile hurdle around the new course as well the Raquel hurdle where he beat Holstone with two and a half lengths so I think the, the new track which this is run over and the two and a half mile trip is, is right up his street um I, I would like to see the yard in better form but he's too well handicapped to ignore he's seven pounds lower than his hurdle mark um, yep. And I, I think he's he is the one. Windsor Avenue is completely the right favourite. That run behind Imperial Aura has been frank since. And this looks like it was the plan. Second run after wind up is another tick in the right direction. Um, he could get shorter, but Midnight Shadow, I just can't get away from him. Okay. Um, yeah, good cases made for that one. I think Windsor Avenue will win. The only horse that can beat her is Al Dancer, so I like to keep it simple with that. Um, <laughs> um, they're not missed at the top of the market, let's be honest. So that's that's fair enough from me. Uh, it doesn't look the strongest grade two that follows that race. Um, I should say follows that race in, in time order it does. It's at Doncaster in the December novices chase, Dave. And of all the gin joints for Colin Tizard, um, is, is probably rightly the favourite after that exit to win. Um, but like I say, it doesn't look the strongest. No, it's it's a weak enough race. Um, I I don't know about Colin Tizard. Um, he wins these in beginner general? chase and stuff like that. And yeah, in general. Um, <laughs> but, but like I I can never catch him right. Um, you, like look a fiddler on the roof the other day. Like, he was yeah. running a race. I know he was beaten by what could be a good horse and Caribbean boy. But it was a race he really should have won on all known form and he ran well below himself he seems to pick up these these small races and then his horses go off favourites for bigger races I'm kind of taking the view that I'm just going to take him on wherever 
his horses run. Um, the one I kind of liked here is um is House Island. Um, especially now with the Kim Bailey horse not declared, um, or, or seems to be pulled out of it. Um, he's four to one House Island. He won a, a small enough race at Ludlow the last day. But if you go back and look at some of his hurdles form, he's been um, highly tried. He ran in a race behind uh, King Roland, Protectorat, and Harry Senior um, at Cheltenham last January, and that was a good run. He ran a respectful race th- that day, and he he ran behind in Rillo in a, a Grade Two novice hurdle last year as well. And um, he's still unexposed as a jumper over over fences, and I think uh, the prices, given the fact I don't like the Tizard horse, I think four to one is more than acceptable. Okay, a nod for Paul Webber's House Island in that grade two. Uh, Paddy, what do you make of it? I think the field is depleting before our eyes as we look at the entries. Yeah, no, it is uh, for sure. Um, obviously, Fabulous Saga, he's got some other entries as well, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, Going to have his first run for Paul Nichols. Over a thousand days uh, since Fabulous Saga has seen a race course. But I think uh, I'd be with Dave here with House Island. I mean, I remember that Ludlow race. He's a, he's a real, real good looking horse, this, um, and, you know, proper chaser. And the, although. Ludlow fences aren't the stiffest going. I thought he was pretty good on his feet. There was some shoddy jumping in behind him. That would probably made his job that bit easier. But I just think confidence-wise, that was ideal for him. Uh, Doncaster will take a good bit more jumping. But he's very, very likeable. It's only his third start over fences. And I think Weber's got quite a nice one on his hands here with House Island. Okay, House Island as well then for Paddy Aspel. Dem, are you going to row in and make it three votes? I am actually, and House Island's one of my more uh, more confidence connections of the the weekend. The more this race cuts up, the better, because Fabulous Saga would be very interesting, because that was actually a big run that he produced that day in the Albert Bartlett. The, the last time he ran, he was kicked for home way too soon. But uh, Paul Nichols, the... The Sullivan horses that have come to him from Willie Mullins, he hasn't seemed to have kind of made heads or tails of them just yet. Uh, Obviously not calling uh, Paul Nichols a, a bad trainer, but you know horses can take a while to acclimatise. So it's yep. kind of hard to back any of them, really. Uh, but House Island, he's as tough as nails. He actually ran a very good race in the Albert Bartlett when he was just a bit out of class, but he doesn't need to meet that class on this occasion because, as we know, that was a very hot um, Albert Bartlett. Paul Weber has always taught the world of him, and this kind of level, I think he's, um, he's very hard to stop. So I completely concur everything that uh, Paddy and Dave Weldon have said there. Okay, well, I'm not going to disagree. We'll all go for House Island in the 205 at Doncaster. Away from Cheltenham, maybe we've found uh, the better bet than the other ones we've discussed. House Island for Paul Webber in that 205. Uh, Dem, I'll let you go first on the, the 225 at Cheltenham. Looks like Gordon Elliott uh, will bring Fakira over after winning at Fairy House and, and Navin already um, in November for, for a spin round Cheltenham. And why not? Looks a very talented five-year-old for this Albert Bart that um, I haven't talked to Keith yet, so I don't know for sure. But just after that race, when I checked the comments, there was no mention of this. Um, I don't think he, he's going to run, to be honest. Um, okay. I'd be surprised now, because I, I, I think last time, this isn't like a kind of a horse that finished fourth or fifth in that race and he's testing the water. This, that performance last time, beating those horses, he, he could well be be up to an Albert Bartlett in time, you know, kind of be, be one of those surprise packages. So I don't see Gordon bringing him over. Um, so I'm basing my whole my whole race thing on that. So I think this race could fall apart. And the one I quite liked here at um, at decent odds was uh, Pat's Fancy for Rebecca Curtis. 
I think this could turn into a real horrible slogger of a race and this horse showed exactly that at the at the at Fos last which I don't think has ever seen a going description other than heavy and they should have their own going description down there of um of RH which is ridiculously heavy and um <laughs> it's the name of the course, I think. Fast last, heavy. heavy fast last, yeah. And um, it's just, it doesn't, it always is. And he put two kind of questionable enough runs behind him, and he was just very good on this occasion. He went off twelve to one, but he just ground his rivals into the ground over two miles four. He looked like going up and trip. He's he's ran over this trip, obviously, as point to points in Ireland um, under Jamie Todd, and he, he brought over to. Uh, Rebecca Curtis's and just this race I don't think we'll see any Albert Bartlett winner in it so it could just descend into being who stays the best on the day and I'd be surprised if any of them are quite as tough as um, as Pat's fancy Okay, uh, a tough nut to crack potentially for Rebecca Curtis, Pat's fancy um, Paddy, I'll come to you next on this, I mean if Bakira did run obviously a hugely interesting runner for Gordon Elliott, if it's not coming um, you've got some other ones to think about yeah, probably, you know, I do like this Ashtown lad um, mm. of Dan Skelton. Dan Skelton, yeah. Yeah, obviously another one you would sort of put in the progressive category. And, I mean, that was a real good effort, ridden patiently at Utoxer the last day. And, like I said, I don't think that's bad form at all. He has got more on his plate now, but I think he's quite likeable. Um, but, yeah, I, I wouldn't like him to get much shorter and get over bet this Ashdown lad but I think his form is stacking up team as we know are continuing along in, in real good order so I'd be happy to stick with this chap to keep the good run going for the scouting team okay Ashdown lad in those uh Dave Yates colors in that 225 uh Dave what about you in this race? I mean, I guess it does. I've mentioned it a few times. If Gordon Elliott brings that horse, it makes it a very different race. Yeah, if Pekira runs, he'd be the best. Um, he was very good the last day. And the except three mile would be perfect for him. Um, the race the last day, he kind of got outpaced and then stayed on really well at Navin. Um, if he doesn't run, I'd probably back Ask a Honeybee. Um, he ran a couple of weeks ago at Newcastle. And I actually I backed him that day. He was short odds and he got turned over. But he, he didn't jump. He made a horrible mistake the first, and he didn't jump at all, um, and still managed to finish second. Then he was well, never travelling. That f- the form of his race before that at Exeter worked out well. Bob Hope or No Hope once has won again since. Um, he actually beat Ashtown Lad at Weatherby, um, back in October as well. So he shouldn't be six to one and Ashtown Lad three to one. The, the price is just wrong. So based on the price being wrong. Um, ask a honeybee be the selection if Fakira doesn't run. Okay, ask a honeybee for Dave. Dave, why don't you kick us off with the juvenile hurdle? Now, there's not mountains of form uh, to go on, and I assume Nassalem won't go um, for Gary Moore after being uh, devastatingly good just a few days ago. But uh, this grade two, likely to be headed by Mon Miral for Paul Nichols, is a 240 at Doncaster. Yeah, I, I thought it was the wrong favour, really. Adiego um, for the pipe team was fairly good behind Duffelcoat at Cheltenham the last day um, back in November. He travelled really like the best horse in the race um, and just really looked like he got outstayed by Duffelcoat, who won going away, coming up the hill after never really been in the race. Looked like he jumped in halfway. Um, so I thought he was probably the best of these. Um, based on that, I thought 3-1 was the wrong price. Okay. Um, you called it Adiego. I called it Adagio. 
But um, you're probably right, yeah. Dean. I, I hadn't thought number about three. it until I said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Number three, anyway, for David yeah. Pipe, Adagio or uh, Diego. Uh, Demo, uh, you're yeah. Up. It's like myself and Dave did the, uh, the exact same study together last night. I completely agree. He's the wrong favourite. I think he was just caught by a very good horse in in Duffelcoat last time. And whilst the, the Paul Nichols horse could be very good, won well at Exeter, it's just Paul Nichols' juvenile flop isn't something that we're unused to. So uh, we're very happy with Adagio. And um, I think at the prices, he's the one to back. The two lads, Paddy, they're going for that bit of duffel coat form with Adagio and David Pipe. Um, it seems like every week we're talking about David Pipe winner, so maybe next week this Adagio will be part of the review in this grade two. What do you reckon at Doncaster? Yeah, no, it is strong form that Adagio brings into this. Uh, there's no doubt. I mean, he's got a, a lofty mark of 130, but, I mean, it was hard to be in, not be impressed with Mon Morale because he look, still looked very raw um, when he won three weeks ago and I mean he ran around a bit at Exeter I don't think obviously the the form of the race hasn't amounted to a great deal so far but you wouldn't have said jumping the second last that this horse was going to go and win by five and a half lengths um, I do think he looks quite nice I'd have him down as the winner I mean the handicappers whacked him straight on 137 so you know it's not a bad standard at all and maybe I think for an each way price I thought Son of Red is a horse who was really, really improved on the flat. And although he didn't win very far at Newcastle the last day, I think this track will really suit him. He'll just sit boxy, travel very well. Whether he'd be good enough to beat the Nichols horse, I don't know. But I think he'll be in the money, Son of Red, at, at around about 8-1. to one. So uh, Son of Red getting a mention there from uh, Paddy as uh, something that could take on those top two, Mon Mirel and Adagio in that 240 at Doncaster. Paddy, I'll come to you first on the uh, Unibet International hurdle. Finally, we're going to see Gosh and the vibes from uh, the Gary Moore uh, team are that this is the race they will return over hurdles with. Yeah, they've hung fire once or twice, haven't they? But um seen Gary Moore interviewed the other day and I think it was more... Uh, he wasn't really, they weren't happy with him the first time fitness-wise and then a bit of a, a, a moderate scope the last day. But they're happy now and Jamie Moore is jocked up and ready to go. And I mean, the, the yard couldn't be in much better form, could they? Um, I mean, I think it was was yesterday they had another treble, um, mm. really flying along very well. And obviously the, the traditional winners at Sandown does really well at that meeting. But yeah, it'll just be great to get him back because... I think the whole job was a little bit deflated um, because people were excited to see him going back on the level uh, during the summer. But it didn't really work out, but it wouldn't put me off at all. I mean, I think the fact that what we're seeing all mankind to, to go on to do this year and this chap absolutely kicked him out of the way um, when they met at Cheltenham last time. So looks very, very good. Be interesting to see how straight he jumps this time around and, and how he races in himself even, but... Just full stop, it'll, it'll, it'll be good to get him back and have a look at him. But I think this is a red-hot race. I mentioned the other week, very impressed with Song for someone at mm. Ascot the last day. I know, look, he did get the, the to do his own thing out in front, but he was strong across the line at Ascot. And for a horse who doesn't look over big and visually isn't that impressive, there's certainly some engine in there. So really looking forward to seeing him turn up as well but you know on the whole this is a very very warm race and be interesting to see how many of the 10 are actually declared 
Yeah, I think a good few of them would be pretty keen to take on Goshen and see uh, where they stand. And Song for Someone would be the one that worried me as a, as a Goshen supporter in this race. Demo, looking at this field, it kind of makes me wish I had taken Stephen Cass up on that on that bet that Goshen wouldn't win another race this season. Because I think this race is here for the taking if he returns anything like he was at Cheltenham. That's it. And look, he's very good. All, all mankind has, has Frank to form, but of course over a very... Dis- different disciplines so mm. um goshen has questions to answer but the racing public as i said before i haven't backed him for a champion hurdle i've no interest in doing so at the moment but everyone was far too quick to write him off based on two flat runs and it, it, it was stupidity really um but a mark of 156 you you could wonder how he's ended up on that mark as well but um i thought that whilst goshen is the most interesting one and it's not a race to get too heavily against him i thought bally andy was the each way play here at seven to one with uh with three places uh place last season behind epitant has, has ran well a few a good few times loves loves cheltenham as he showed last time off a huge weight and um once he has to give goshen six pounds and he shouldn't be able to do that if there is something well if there is something wrong with Goshen, you can see the likes of a Bally Andy being the one to kind of pick up the pieces. And at seven to one each way, you'd fancy him to finish in the first three anyway, in my opinion. So he'd be the bet from an each way point of view, but I can't wait to see Goshen. And it's, it would just be great to add, um, to just throw some, some further fuel on the, on the champion hurdle fire, you know? Yeah, you make a good point. I mean, Dave, is this the shot in the arm that the champion hurdle pitcher needs? Because likes of Shit Tabello and Sobreal and Song for Someone could, I guess, continue to improve. Only five. Um, but Silver Street, Baliandi, you know, they've been there and, and had a crack before. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we know enough about um, most of them, bar the top two in the market, Goshen and Song for Someone. Um, Song for Someone is probably the interesting one because he's, he's buying in form and he's had a couple of runs under his, under his mm. belt. Um, he was very good the last day. I know the race fell apart, especially with the arena not firing at all um, but he did it very well hopefully they run now with Goshen we've heard it all before and it wouldn't be my idea now to bring him back to the scene of the crime as well after the triumph um, for his first, first run back over hurdles but I imagine they have him well skilled at home and as Paddy was saying they are in good form so it's a watching brief for me hopefully he goes on and wins and um, wins some press fee and we can have a good chat about it then next week but um, it's not really a betting race for me without seeing the final decks Fair enough. Kind of race that if I could put Goshen out of my head, I could have five each way bets, which is a crazy thing to do. So don't do that. It's not advice. Yeah. Um, but I'm just suggesting that I can make a case for all of them each way, assuming Goshen runs his race, uh, which probably means Goshen just goes and wins. And I think that's what the champion hurdle market uh, could do with. And it would be great for the Moors to get uh, this grade two and uh, and put that behind them from, from last year. Uh, Dave, why don't you go first on the handicap chase at Doncaster? Um where it looks like Boldmere and Jersey Bean will be heading up a market there for um, Caroline Bailey and Oliver Sherwood. Yeah, um, it's it's a tricky enough race. Um, I haven't really figured it out yet. If Give Me a Copper runs first time after a wind up for Paul Nichols, he's probably still well handicapped um, yep. if he gets around based on his Badger Ailes win last year. Um Sorry, Badger Beers win last year, so he'd probably be where, where I'd looking for that. But it's it's not really a race that has grabbed my attention so far. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think Give Me a Copper needs to be caught fresh. Um, I'm sure Paul Nichols seems to be a bit patient with him as well because he had a couple of entries last weekend and then didn't take one. So uh, this race might be a plan B, but it still looks a very uh, sensible plan, I think, for Give Me a Copper. And it, it would interest me in there off top weight demo. 
Um, yeah, it's kind of mad bastard of the week time, Dean. And um, <laughs> sing, single farm payment was actually running a huge no. race. Was actually running a huge race Stop last it. time on its first run for Henry Oliver. Um, and Adrian Heskin said afterwards that uh, because he he went for traveling really well and then he just cut out. And you thought, oh, he's doing this again. It actually turned out that the the saddle had slipped. Um, so he just lost all momentum. And whilst he might not be the most rock solid from a win point of view, obviously that's that's the understatement of the year. This horse has still been running very well off marks of 140 just last season um, in December last year. He's only three lengths behind Cogri. And then, you know, you keep going back. And there's this horse has loads of um, a very strong form. He's down to a mark of 137 now. I'd love if Henry Oliver threw up a claimer on him and he, he could just end up falling in. But... He's not the most, obviously, the horse that you'd want to be back into win a, a race like this. But at 10 to 1, I'm not at all mad about the the front few in the market. I think Jersey Bean, he'll be hitting his uh, his ceiling quite soon. I'm not convinced on Boldmere from a win point of view. So with all the young horses, with a lot of questions to answer for me, I'm happy to opt with an old mad bastard and uh, single farm payment was... He's not the most consistent winner. He's a very consistent runner, and he could just collect um, at least from an each-way point of view. Yeah, you could call that horse single win chaser because he's <laughs> only got the one win over fences and has looked like he was going to win at least 10 times. Um, a cracking horse. Fingers crossed for Henry Oliver to try and find the key to single farm payment uh, that others have failed to do. But, um, yeah, it is a race. could certainly win off 137 if, if you knew you were going to get a single farm payment and the head down in the finish. Uh, Paddy? Um, Nicky Richards has got a couple in here, Dino, and I mean, he has got Danny McManaman on Chidswell and looking well as other one has got an entry at Carlisle the day after, but I'm hoping he runs here. I mean, he won this last year with, with that mare that won at Carlisle the other day, my old goal. So I think chances are he's got, it looks like he's going to run Chidswell, but I don't know. But anyway, if looking well does turn up, they ran this horse over hurdles the last day at... Kelso. Now this horse hasn't ran over hurdles in five years um, and he actually ran really well because he looked like he was going to come out the side of the telly at one stage but he was only beating 18 lengths in the end and I just thought it was a real good prep run straight back in over fences here. Like I say he won this last year. I just hope he declares him um, but I've, I've got a suspicion he won't but if he does I think he's in there with a cracking chance off 1-3-6 looking well. Okay. Uh, looking well, yeah, off 136, the 11-year-old. And if he doesn't declare, it must mean, you know, he's quite keen that Chidswell yeah. will, will go well with Nicky Richards double-handed and Danny McMenamin booked up on uh, that one. Dave, I guess I have to come to you for the last race we're going to talk about for the weekend because you were very keen on the White Mouse when it went in uh, for Lucy Wadham last day and it heads up the market for the closer at Cheltenham on Saturday. It does. and uh, She has to have a good chance again. Um, but I think um, the handicapper probably had a, a fair whack at her and the suspicion that she might bounce after having such a long time off is enough to put me off her. Okay. Um, the one I like is Aggie with it for the skeletons. Um, there's a fair argument to be made that she's absolutely chucked in here. She won the last day off 119. When she went off even money, she's won two races now at really short prices after finishing second at Market Raisin back in September behind Perfect Mitt, whose form ties in with... Um, the White Mouse as well, who finished second in, in that race the last day. 
Um, but if you go back to her first run over hurdles last October, she was went off five to one and was traveling very kindly and hadn't been asked any questions yet when she fell two out. Um, the winner that day was Floressa, who's now since gone in and won the big handicap um, at Newbury a couple of weeks ago um, and is rated 144. Aggie with it is rated 127 here. And there's the argument is she's probably about 10 pounds well in on that rating of 127 at least. And at 6-1, to one, I think she has a right chance here. Okay, pretty confident shout for Aggie with it for uh, the scouting team. They've got Molly's Ollie's wishes in, uh, declared at the minute as well uh, in there. They could be going mob-handed. Paddy? Uh, Misty Whiskey um, for me, for the Harry Fry team. Not yep. jocked up my end, but you know, very, very consistent. Um, it's going to have a nice race and weight and looked as good as ever when winning her comeback run just nearly three weeks ago after having a wind up and I think could still be very, very nicely treated this Misty Whiskey for the Harry Fry team. Okay, Misty Whiskey for Paddy Aspel there. Um, Harry Fry uh, running the six-year-old in that after another wind up. Uh, Demo, you're up. Uh, I think my day, myself and Dave are going to have an absolutely stinking weekend because we've all landed on the exact same one again. Um, ah. um, Aggie with it, yeah. She's, <laughs> she's very well in here. Um, she, she has to be, but the one concern you have is that they've, they've, they've never ran her on anything else than good or good to soft ground. So um, that might explain why she's kind of drifting with some companies out to eight to one. So we don't know what whether she will run or not. But being, being by presenting, you know, she's... Obviously, uh, closely related with the likes of Denman, who didn't mind uh, mind the ground like this at all. So hopefully, um, it's just been a coincidence that she's only ran on on ground like that because there can be no uh, no questions that 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 she could be very well handicapped here. And at eight to one or so, uh, I think she's she's the one to back on the day if she does show up. But again, Dean, like all these races, you're most of them you're just kind of waiting and seeing, you know. Yeah, of course. Um, okay. Pretty confident shout, though, for, for that one to run well for the Skeletons. Um, all right. Well, look, it's come to the end of the uh, the television action. If anyone has anything else, they are welcome uh, to fire them in and uh, and give them a good shout out. Why don't we go for naps, though, while you compose yourselves? Um, I will go first and tell you that I think Kalashnikov is an absolutely belting bet uh, in that 150 at Cheltenham, the rerouted uh, Peterborough chase at a, a, at a really nice price in a race where I think Kalashnikov can still be considered uh, the best of these at the minute and isn't treated that way in the market. And uh, Windsor Avenue and the Caspian Caviar uh, forecast with our dancer because there's no other horses in that race uh, for me. And fingers crossed Goshen does the business. Dave, I'll go to you. Yeah, very simple. The last one there, Aggie with it in the 335 at Cheltenham is the nap. Very simple. Leaving the best till last with Aggie with it. Uh, Demo, you're up. Uh, court made in the 2.25 on, on Friday wins this and then goes on to win the, the three miles there. Wins everything, court made. Um, and starting with that 2.25 at Cheltenham on Friday. Uh, okay, Paddy, over to you. I was going to go with that. What was the Hobbs horse we mentioned? Uh, Zanza. Yeah, I was going to go. I'm just hoping he gets declared. Obviously, it is red hot. But for me, yeah. I just really think that we, we, we certainly haven't seen the best of this chap yet and simply because I do like the second so much and you know he seemed yep. to put him away pretty snug the other day so Zanza for me 
yeah, Zanzer in that one fifteen at Cheltenham on Saturday for Philip Hobbs and we assume uh, Dickie Johnson if it gets to line up there over to mile and a half of Furlong. Decent race that as well to kick things off on Saturday. Okay, that's us done for uh, this week's race hour. Brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. My thanks to Dave Weldon, Paddy Aspel and Dermot Nolan and we'll do it all again next week. Thank you. You've been listening to The Race Hour, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk, your best bet for tips, news and bookmaker reviews.